from New York City ghettos. The former leader of the dreaded gang called the Mau Mau's and now the miracle of the cross and the switchblade is with us tonight to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in South Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Nicky Cruz. I hate the whole world around me. I want nothing to do, I don't want no part with this human race. I drop out completely. As I stood there in New York City, I have to struggle for survival like anybody has to do. But the difference in New York City, it was a city of eight million people. A city that was infected by all kinds of crime. The hustlers, the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the murders, the gangs, was running all over that place. And the only time that you hear was a crime in midnight, when people began to get killed and people died just without any reason. In the beginning, you know, as any stranger going to another city, some people might take advantage of you. If you don't wake up, you might die, and people will still just took advantage of you. But because I was completely different, said I was eight years old, I was rejected by my mother. I grew up in a witchcraft home. My parents was involved in witchcraft, in voodoo, in occult. My father was a witch doctor. My mother was a medium. Hatred was the thing that was involved in my home. My mother rejected me. She called me, Nikki, you are not my son. I don't love you. You are son of the devil. Get away from me. That was the beginning when I started running. And from that day on, I did hate my mother God. I didn't want nothing to do with my mother. I prefer to be called a bastard than to be called uh, my mother's son. I knew New York City very well. I knew that there's going to be a rough time for me. As I was walking down the neighborhood, something happened. This guy didn't like me at all. I don't know why, but this guy used to belong to this gang. As I was walking down the street, I went down to this park. And I was really enjoying myself as I watched some people playing. Then this guy walked in with another seven or eight guys and without any reason, he grabbed me, pushed me against the wall, and put a knife on me. When he put that knife on my face, he told me, I'm gonna cut you through. He told me, I don't dig you. That means I don't like you. And when he said that, you know, that he told me I don't, he don't like me, I told him, I don't like you either, man. What is the difference? So then he said, oh, you tough. I told him, listen, man, I am not looking for trouble. I don't say that I'm tough or whatever you call me, but I'm going to tell you something, I am not a punk. And whatever you do, you are tough because you have that knife of me, but I bet you I can take you with my fix. The guy, you know, saw me small, he was about six feet tall, you know. So he said, oh, I'm going to take advantage with this guy, look at this little kid, man, who he think he is. I said, sure. And then he closed his switch play, you know. So then there was quite a few people there. There was about 50 or 75 people watching the whole deal. So then he went and he said, come on, man. What kind of fight do you want? 
I thought, okay, let's have a fair fight. I mean, with our fix. The guy said, sure, man. A fair fight. So then people just went around a little bit. There was a, a space for us. The guy took his position. I watched every move. I watched his leg. And I knew what kind of fighter he was. Then he came in, and then when he came in, I started hitting right in his face, back and forth. And just blood was coming out from his nose and mouth. And I was hitting him left and right, and then he didn't know that I was left hand at all. And then the guy, he, he was out of his mind. He didn't know what to do, and I was having nothing but good time right in his face. Until the guy turned to be a dirty fighter. He knew that he couldn't take me with his fix, so that he changed his tactic. So he turned to be a street fighter. He charged on me, hit me in my chest, I fall on the floor and I hit the ground with my head, and I was half unconscious, and then he kicked me three or four times on my eyes, I was breathing for one side, and he really beat me up. He really beat me. But that was the day when I swear, I'm going to get this dude and I'm going to let him know that I know how to fight in a dirty way too. And for two weeks, I wait until my eye was better. And I began to hunt him for this guy all over. I hunt him for him like I was hunting for a white animal. And the day came when I found him. He was having good time dancing with this chick. I walked to him, you know, and I told him, hey, do you remember me? Remember what you did to me? I'm not going to give you a chance. And that moment, there was a garbage can, and I hit it right on his face. I took a baseball bat, and I, did, I, I smashed his head with my baseball bat. I grabbed him by his neck, and I pushed him about half a block. I kicked him with my feet about 25 times on his chest. His face was completely, completely breathing. The guy was unconscious. I grabbed him by his hair because I took him by his hair and I took his face and I began to sweep the whole side wall with his face. The guy was in a completely coma and then he ended up in the hospital for two weeks. Now a reputation came. Watch out for Nikki. That boy, he's crazy. That guy, he's really a crazy guy. And then for that reputation, things began to change. Later on, about at least a year later, I came to the conclusion to join this game called the Mammoth. I went down to this gig, what you call today a love-in. I went with a friend of mine who belonged in the gang. As I walked in into this basement, there was lots of people that were dancing. For a couple of times, I was dancing with this chick. Then later on, I went with this girl, and she introduced me to the president of the Mama, a tall, a skinny, Puerto Rican boy. He didn't talk to me at all. He treated me cold. And then Tico, my friend, walked in and said, hey, I want you to meet Nicky. Nicky is good with the knife. He's one of the faster with the knife. Because it was true, I was very fast with the knife. He's a good fighter. 
Then the president began to talk to me. He told me if I want to join the Mahamas. I told him, let me think about it. Give me three days. In those three days, I'll let you know if I want to join the Mahamas. I left. Later on, about two days later, I came back to the Mahamas. And I talked to the president and I told him, what I have to do to join the Mahamas? He said, Nikki, we have two initiation and you have to choose one of those two initiation. I told him, can you tell me the first one? The first initiation, the leader himself is going to put me against the wall. I have to stand straight. I could move. Then the president is going to walk toward me, and when he walked toward me, he faced me, and then he opened what you call a switchblade knife. He put his hand all the way up. That means that the initiation is going to go. Then when he got back, he got back 20 spaces. And when he come 20, then he turned around and then he dropped that knife. If that knife penetrated or stick in my flesh, I was in the game. And when he told me the first one, I told him, cool it, baby. Can you tell me the second one? Because I don't like the first one at all. Then the second one, fire the toughest boy from the mammals. They're going to put me against the wall. They're going to hit me kick me and beat me all over my body until I got unconscious. I said, all right, let the fight boy come and pick me up. He said, but Nicky, one thing, you cannot fight back, you cannot hit back. I said, that's not fair. That's not fair. He said, that is our regulation. So I said, all right. They put me against the wall and I tell you, they began to hit me and kick me all over my body until I got unconscious. I was let down there for 25 minutes. When I wake up, I was breathing heavily from my nose and my mouth. I was black and blue. I tried to stand on my, on my feet, but I went down to the floor. I collapsed. There was no strength left out in my body. This guy pulled in my hands a 32 revolver and I took it. Later on, I came to my room. And for 10 days, I could hardly walk. For 10 days, I was let down in my bed. I was vomiting every day. I was black and blue. I was hurt inside. My ribs, everything, my stomach, my head. But now I belong to the mama. Now I have protection. Now I have security. Now I have a place where I can say, if somebody bother me, I got somebody to turn to. I went wild in the street. I started fighting left and right. We fought all the gangs. We started doing all kinds of things. Two months later, I was the vice president of my gang. Six months later, I was the president of the Mama. Nikki Cruz, miracle of the cross and the switchblade, is described by Billy Graham as a Christian legend in his time. Banished by his Puerto Rican parents to fight for himself in the hostile ghettos of New York City, he soon won the fearful respect of his peers and the attention of the law. Fighting like an animal in the parks and among the tenement buildings, his deep-seated hatreds spurred him on to savage violence and sordid crime. Booked for a long list of crimes, he was the despair of law enforcement officers and social workers alike. I 
stood there, the judge asked me, are you guilty or not guilty? I just cursed. I just cursed and I said, I don't want to talk. The district attorney took my record, and he started reading my record, you know. And then he got so mad, the district attorney, the persecutor, that he said, your honor, look at this. He starts to be dramatic, you know, the district attorney. Look at him. Do you remember him? A month and a half ago, look what you told him. If you see him again, you're going to put him in prison for five years or even a mental institution. Now look him back. This boy is dangerous, your honor. This boy has reputation of a criminal. This boy is a hero in the neighborhood. This boy has the whole city control and the gang scared of him. The police. This is the boy that we're supposed to lock up forever. Keep it away from society. Keep it away from the community. Your Honor, I ask you, for the sake of the community, for the sake of the law, to keep this boy locked up completely or put it in a mental institution. They went for a meeting, you know. They went for a private meeting for 20 minutes and then came back. And the criminal court of Brooklyn came to the conclusion to give me a psychiatrist. They locked me up. Next day, who walked in in my cell? My psychiatrist. Introduced himself, I'm Mr. Goodman. He told me, I'm going to help you. I told him, I don't need your help. Get out of here. I don't want you, man. He said, Nikki, I've been appointed by the court, and that means I have to deal with you regardless if you don't want to. I told him, I don't want to talk to you. He told me, Nikki, there's no way you can escape from this. And then I look at him and I told him, really, do you believe that I'm going to believe you? Do you believe that you're going to ask me questions? Do you believe that I'm going to cop out and I'm going to tell you everything that is wrong with my game, that we do in my game, that I do with my life? that I do with my background, do you believe I'm going to tell you all of that? You're wrong. Because I don't want to tell you anything. So you're going to lose your time. You're going to make the money, but you're going to lose your time. Then he said, he looked at me, he knew that I was mad. So he changed his tactic. He told me, you know something, Nikki? I can get you out of here in 24 hours if I want to. And when he told me that, I changed, and I was more polite to him. Nobody want to be locked up, you know that. There's no way I want to be locked up. So I just got up from my bed, and I started rapping on his ear. I started rapping to him, and I said, listen, Mr. Goodman, I'm going to promise you, if you get me out of here, I promise you I'm not going to steal no more, I'm not going to rob no more, I'm not going to cheat no more, I'm not going to lie no more, I'm going to be a nice boy, I'm not going to fight no more, I'm not going to hang around with the mamas, because the mamas, they are bad, bad company, and that's why I'm here like this, mixed up, because I got bad company. I'm going to be a good boy. I promise you. He looked at me and told me, don't be a liar, man. He let me go. He just left. 
And next day, about three o'clock in the morning, you know what happened? I was, uh, uh, excuse me, in the afternoon, I was so surprised. When a guard came and opened my cell, he told me, get up, Bon. You're free. I said, what do you mean I'm free? He told me, you psychiatrist has signed for you. You have six months probation. He worked for me for six months. One day, you know what they did? They took me to a private section with another 10 psychiatrists. And then put me to sleep. And then began to use all kinds of good therapy, psychotherapy, all kinds of things. But then began to ask me questions and questions after questions for two hours. And the last time, my psychiatrist told me, Nikki, you are doomed. You finish. There's no way you're gonna make it. You're sick. And Nikki, you walk in one way to jail, the electric chair and hell, and there's no one that can help you. As the hate-crazed gangs of New York fought for recognition and survival, God was at work in the heart of a country preacher in Pennsylvania. From the pages of Time magazine, David Wilkerson read the stunning story of savage warfare and hatred which drove the teenagers of New York's ghettos to acts of unspeakable violence. The story of the cross and the switchblade is now legendary. But in the power and wisdom of God, this country preacher found his way to New York and the crime-infested streets of its ghettos. It was there that God brought the power of love, the power of the cross, face to face with the hatred, the violence, and the desperate spiritual need of Nicky Cruz. I was about three blocks down when I heard the sound of the trumpet, so I started running with my girl, and I stood there watching everything. Then this man opened a Bible. When he opened the Bible, he began to preach about God. He began to say that God has the power to change us, to change the course of mankind, that God meant us to be happy, that he can change us. And when he said that, I got offended. And I just stepped out of the crowd and I told this man, you shut up. Don't open your mouth anymore. If you say anything, you're going to drop dead. This is no God power here, man. This is ghetto power. This is man power and this is game power. And there's no way that God has the power to change anybody. The toughest, that is the only one who's gonna make it. The wicked, they're gonna perish. They're gonna, never gonna make it. I told this man, you get out of here and don't come around this neighborhood. I told my again, don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to him. This guy is a fanatic, he's a phony. This guy is a communist. I didn't know what communist was, but that's what I told him that moment. I told my game, you want to have a good time? You want to have a good time? I give you the good time. Let's go down to this basement, smoke some grass or some marijuana, zip some wine, drop some pills, dance for a while, have a chick, and you're going to feel better. But this guy, he is nothing. This guy is crazy. I took my gangs and we went down to this basement. We put the music, you know. Fifteen minutes later, David Wilkerson opened the door without permission. He just walked in. He didn't took the message, you know. And the first thing he said, where's Nicky? Like he knew me for a long time. 
My, one of my boys turned the light on, and I was standing there. I put my girl in one side, and I told him, I'm naked, what you want, man? He told me, I want to be your friend. I told him, I don't want to be your friend. He started walking toward me and said, you better stay right there. If you make any, any, any step, I'm going to take my study to room and I'm going to fire and I'm going to blow your head off right here. Walker's on hesitate for a moment. But he didn't stop. And then Wilkerson, he was a skinny man. He started walking right straight toward me. When he got near to me, he told me, come on, Nicky, shake my hand. And I just turned around and I hit him. I grabbed him by his jacket and I spit at him. And in that moment, I grabbed him and I threw him against the wall and I started cursing him. I used nothing but profanity, bad language. I hit this man left and right and then some other guy grabbed me and said, Nicky, this is a priest. This is a minister. This man is not, he, he's not in the gangs. I told him, I don't care who he is. And in that moment where he was like that, I just turned around and I started walking toward the door. And when I tried to open the door, David Wilkerson yelled at me. He said, Nicky, just a moment. Before, this, before you leave this place, I'm going to tell you something. I told him, what you going to tell me? Nicky, Jesus loves you. When David Wilkerson put his hands upon my head, he was crying. It was nothing but fear was coming out from his eyes. I look at him as he was praying. I had never heard in my life anyone pray. But that was the most beautiful prayer that I ever heard. So beautiful that I was flabbergasted with his prayer. I was completely moved. When he said, oh God, for two weeks I've been praying for Nikki every day and every night, hoping, wondering, praying, seeking, that he don't get killed so he can hear the gospel, so he can come to this crusade. And not only he's in this crusade, but I'm praying for him. And oh God, in this moment, I'm here, and this is a challenge. And there's no human power, there's no personality that can change Nikki. There's no gimmick, and there's no magic. And oh God, I'm scared. But in this moment, I'm going to ask you to come down and just touch Nikki's life, and let a miracle come out from the darkness. Let him know that you love him as I told him that you care and you love him. He's here and I have to believe that you can do that miracle. And when I heard this man praying in that way with a broken heart, I felt, I felt his heart beat. I felt his vibration that was so strong. In that moment I was confused. In that moment, I just want to just cry, but I hold down because my pride. There's no way I'm going to cry because I promised myself that I will never cry again. The last time I cried, I was about eight years old, and that was the last time I cried. And in that moment, I just took David Wilkerson's hands, and I pushed his hands away from me, and I pushed him. I said, get away from me. 
I was under conviction. I didn't know how to fight the whole thing. And in the same moment, I just want to call my gangs and I want to say, let's get out of here. Let's split. This is not our place. And when I turned just around, I saw with my own eyes the greatest miracle that really touched me completely. When I just turned around to call my gang to split out of that place, there was Willie the guy who told their workers that I don't believe in love. Willie the cripple. Willie that just was full of hatred and bitterness for what happened to him. Willie was there in that floor. He was kneeling down, crying and crying and crying without stopping. He couldn't pray, but I remember he tried the best he could. But the only thing that he said, Jesus, Jesus, of almost 20 or 25 times, help me please. And he began to hit his chest. Then there was truly tiny Albert Israel. And this guy was crying. I'm talking about the worst cry. I'm talking about the guy who was nothing but murder. I'm talking about the criminals. I'm talking about the toughest boy from the mammals. I walked toward Israel because I couldn't understand what's happening. I shook him up and said, hey, Israel, baby, what's the matter with you, man? Israel, he hardly could say anything. He was so broken. He said, Nick, I gave my life to Jesus. At that moment, I said, oh, God, I don't know if this is the truth that you love me. Like this man said that you love me. I'm confused. I am confused. I don't know what is the difference between day and night, between summer and winter. I'm lost. I can't think straight. I have lost my feeling, my identity. I don't know. I cannot touch reality so far away from me. But if you really love me like this man said that you love me, come, please help me. And then just like that, in 10 minutes later, as I was still kneeling down there, I felt the most beautiful, beautiful feeling in my life. I felt like that heavy burden was taken away from me, that guilt. And right there I started crying, laughing, laughing and crying. And I went to the workers and I said, Dave, I know, I know, I know that Jesus loves me because I can feel it. I know he's healing my heart. And that's the only thing that I can say, I'm here because the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus is beautiful. He can really change your life if you let him. Shall we pray? Now, now is the time, Jesus, to walk down the aisles. Right this moment, let thy presence where with every hang-up, with every problem, minister, minister into the loneliness of many. Oh God, I'm coming to the depth of our problems, into the depth of our sin, and make us free. Free like a bird flying in the blue sky. Oh God, fill this place with the beauty of Jesus.
thy perfect love. Let every human being here feel the impact of thy forgiveness. Don't let nobody leave this place with the same loneliness, despair, fear, and insecurity. Come down in this crowd, Holy Spirit, and bring them to Jesus, to Jesus.